Hello and welcome to Sitcom Geeks. I'm James Carey. I'm Dave Cohen. And you join us on episode 144, mm. which is, of course, a holy number because it is 12 times 12. Right, yes. Uh, Dave, I can see how excited that makes you. <laughs> it's gross. That's what I wanted yes. to say. Um, it, is, yeah. it is gross, isn't it? That's brilliant. Yeah. I yeah. remember you did explain to me once the significance of 144. Of course, there's the 12 tribes of Israel. That's the, uh, Absolutely. That's the one I know. Yeah. And uh, 12 disciples or the 12 apostles. Right. Um, so, uh, so yeah, 12 comes up a lot uh, in the Bible, but we're not going to talk about the Bible. <laughs> That's my other podcast called Cooper and Carey Have Words. Yeah. Uh, managed to mention that for the first time ever, I think, on this podcast. Mm. And of course, if we were creating an American sitcom, uh, we probably we would be talking about a Bible in a very different way, I think. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I like the fact that the, the, the Bible is the, the rules that must be obeyed throughout the whole series. Mm. That suits me just fine. Anyway, episode 144, we're about to jump into the second part of one of my favourite interviews we've ever done, which is with Anil Gupta and Richard Pinto. We're about to hear the true story of uh, The Office, yes. which is very exciting. Which, uh, of course, that we managed to go through the whole of the first uh, interview where all we talked about were flops and failures, uh, yeah. <laughs> things that hadn't yeah. worked out. Uh, and now we get to... Um, only probably the most significant comedy show uh, of the 21st century so far uh, in yeah. Britain and America um, combined. So, uh, yeah. yeah. But apart but from But we that, just love failure, don't we? I yeah. mean, we spent the whole time st talking to Stephen Moffat, mm. trying to get round to talking about Chalk, which, mm. was the, which is about his only thing that hasn't been a huge raging success. There's also a thing I've noticed. There's a guy, I think we both uh, follow a lot of his uh, podcasts, a guy called Pat Flynn, who is a sort of uh, American on entrepreneur guy for for mm. people like us individuals yeah. who are doing yeah. various things and these people they you know they got a zillion followers they make a trillion dollars every yeah. minute um mm. but this guy he's still you know like he'll talk for about 15 minutes about uh, uh one uh negative comment that he got under one of his youtube uh videos that got like oh, a, really? a, a million a million likes yeah. and one dislike you know and it's, it's kind of human nature i think really isn't it absolutely yeah you only remember yes it's the the more common wise you know carry around that one negative review but it's good to keep your feet on the ground isn't it yeah, so yeah. before we jump into that interview dave tell us about sitcom news yes and deadlines okay we should have some sort of little music thing shouldn't we a little sting well uh, i'll put some in i'll put some in there here okay. we go Okay, so, uh, yes, just to uh, keep you up to date with the news, we've got, of course, there's two script-writing competitions. Deadlines are coming up. The sitcom mission, that's the one where you write 15 minutes and get the chance for your show to be performed, hopefully in front of an audience, if there are still shows with audiences uh, by August, or mm. there will be then by August or September, who knows. That deadline is coming up first week of August. That's sitcom mission. Uh, look that up on Google. I'm sure you can find it. And the other one is the BAFTA Rowcliffe uh, Award, which is uh, for a 30-minute sitcom. Uh, that's been going many years, and uh, we've had a, a lot of people we know have entered that, and uh, it costs something like £42 to enter, but everybody has said, oh, it's definitely worth it. So um, that that's uh, the deadline for that is the first week of uh, September. So that's Rowcliffe, yeah. R-O-C-L-I-F-F-E. £42, I think £42 is a very interesting amount of money, isn't it? Because it's just, it's it's sort of high enough for them to probably cover some costs. And it's low enough to be not 
a horrible amount of money and it's sort of they're trying to weed out time wasters i guess aren't they yeah who who are basically submitting something that they know isn't good enough that they know you know what i mean it just feels like they've just set that they've set that bar they've got a noise like in audio terms that's like having a noise gate which just keeps out a certain amount of interference and noise Um, I wonder also if it's that specific for comedy that it's £42 because they have like drama as well, but whether they, they chose 42, uh, ah. the famous comedy number, as in. Uh, Absolutely. Um, the, well, uh, we've had holy numbers and comedy numbers, yeah, 42. The, the answer the great comedy. to yeah. life, the universe, and everything, yeah. of course. Um, yes. From Douglas yeah. Adams. So. Um, Yes. Oh, in fact, and, that, and I, that's made me realise that's a, a number that I should use for my uh, comedy word of the day, especially as I'm coming up to 42. So there you go. Let's also briefly mention our Patreon subscribers. So they've had access to this interview we've done uh, for, for some old time and they've, they've enjoyed it and listened to it. And they've also got access to an interview we've done with, with Rufus Jones, uh, which will be dropping at some point uh, for, for for you guys uh, soon but they've been able to get access to that but there's loads and loads of extra audio that is not available so you might want to get in on patreon we've had some new people join us haven't we we have yes uh big welcome big hello to uh we've got um, david edwards uh david castle hattie hodgson and sean o'neill so hello to you and thanks very much for joining we we uh really appreciate it it's it's uh it's, it's great it allows us to carry on doing this thing that we love doing really and absolutely uh, and in fact that the uh the project which has been kind of uh up and down in our thoughts for mm. more than a year but we are now finally going to act on uh is the uh sitcom that james and i have been promising that we would create out of nothing uh soup to nuts mm. uh and we spent about a year uh developing um this uh project this idea uh and we got quite a long way really didn't we before yeah. covid yeah. happened um and then uh, a couple of things happened. Well, first, COVID, obviously, that kind of got in the way slightly. But then uh, one of the major plot points, in fact, you, you, you explain this. Uh, well, the, yeah, one of the major plot points we, we arrived at um, pre-COVID, uh, pre-Black Lives Matter uh, riots, round three or whatever they're onto now, is that we had this idea that a statue was going to be pulled down, in actual fact, to make ro- way for a new road. And that that statue would almost be a demonstration of the fact that this family have really uh, failed the town fundamentally. They used to be the big employer in the town. Uh, so the statue's being pulled down. So we're going to wrestle with whether we stick with that, we do something else, uh, whether we ride that wave, whether it doesn't even matter because by the time we actually record anything or put it out, or then this will all be a distant memory anyway and statues are being pulled down all the time. So we, we've done about, there's about... F- 14, 15 episodes of us talking about it. Um, so we should, um, yeah, uh, we're getting back to it and we'll sort of rekindle it and then actually take it through to script stage over the course of of the summer and into the autumn. So you get access to all of that uh, if you join us on Patreon, plus lots of other things, including a Facebook group, a, a secret Facebook group. And um, on that group, I've also been sort of talking about various first episodes of things I've been watching. Um, but the latest thing that has delighted me, uh, Dave, is Staged, uh, yes. which is the, you know, I'm I'm saving it up. I've only seen three episodes. I'm only watching one every night. I'm intentionally not binging it because I don't want it to be over. And, I s- and I've not had this feeling for a while. Yeah, I started watching it on your recommendation. 
uh, and um, got about 10, 10 minutes in and thought, what's the big deal? And then bang, it sort of, it, 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 it hit in and I got as far as about uh, the next sort of four or five minutes. And I said to my wife, I said, um, okay, I'm not going to watch this. This we're going to watch. You will like this. We're going to watch yeah. this, uh, together. So, uh, I, I got as far as not finishing episode one yet because we're okay. still, we're, we're still going through. We, 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 um, the, the other, this, this show knows it's being held in a queue and, uh, yeah. we will yeah. watch it. I'm sure it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's definitely a sort of slow burn start, but really, uh, I really loved, uh, where it's going. And I'm, I'm very excited to be, um, looking forward to the, the next. It's the first basically the first sort of post covid uh sort of comedy comedy drama really isn't it more drama yes. than comedy isn't it i don't know it's it's made me laugh it's made me howl with laughter several times in every episode mm. david tennant is is funny but my goodness michael sheen is really funny mm. oh He's so good. So yeah. anyway, I, it just made me because and they were that, you know, I enjoyed watching Good Omens mainly for their relationship in Good Omens, because I actually found the overall story a little bit, uh, a bit tiresome because it was, you know, it's based on a a movie. So it's, it's based on a uh, yeah, it's based on a book which is based on a movie, which is based on one version of end times events in the Bible. So um, I wasn't particularly, you know, so it just felt a bit third hand, but their central relationship was so good. And just to see them back together again, is very exciting. Hmm. I've never actually read anything by Neil Gaiman. I'm uh, uh, afraid to admit, and uh, even having actually uh, worked with him about thirty odd years ago, and sort of um, got to got got to know him through, he was he was um, part of a group of people that the famous Bridgewater comedy scene. James, which ah, you, yes, you may you may not or may not me. have heard of, um, but uh, this guy called Kim Newman who writes uh, uh, who writes as. Um, uh, He's a movie reviewer, movie isn't he? Reviews, yes. And Kim and Neil Gaiman. Yeah, I, I mean Terry you, Pratchett. Was well, he uh, the one? these are just these these guys that I knew in the Bristol sort of post uh, punk scene of the early nineteen eighties. And there was a, a, a magazine called Sheep Worrying, which was a sort of punk fanzine. And Neil yeah. and Kim and a couple of other guys who I worked with on a magazine in Bristol wrote wrote for this as well. And it was just a bizarre thing that this place. That I'd never heard of, um, and uh, yeah, and and still kind of hadn't really heard of, even though you know, yeah. driven through it on the way to to Devon. Um, but it was a kind of scene of this incredible kind of uh, post punk comedy uh, co- comedy yeah. world. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I must, I must. Um, sorry, that, that I think, and I think there. that maybe through that, that must be how Terry Pratchett got hooked up with Neil Gaiman because Terry Pratchett, I think, worked for a while. At, as a press officer for Hinkley Point Power Station. And then he ended up in Wincanton, which is uh, to the east of uh, Somerset. Mm. I don't know if it's technically Somerset or Dorset. I think it's Somerset. Yeah. So anyway, anyway, this intro has gone on way longer <laughs> no. than it was meant to. Sorry, let's go. Yeah, so uh, let, let's actually head. Uh, I've got little bits of news. Just a couple of things to say. I've got a book uh, coming out about writing in September, a very short book, uh, just about about how to how to 
overcome all the kind of problems of covid and whatever and still try and become a writer uh so that's coming out in september and i've got my new website uh which is all fun if you come to my new website you can get my uh first book for free which is uh, f- fun and then uh tell us your website address oh sorry yes it's uh it's uh davecohen.org.uk uh I'm still- dave you're the worst at this for goodness sake <laughs> you're the one who's talking about making yourself a writerpreneur yeah I know. I'm yeah. still I'm still struggling with the uh, uh, that that aspect of it. Yeah, sell, yeah. sell. Yeah. Okay. Let's let let's go into the. I mean, have you got anything to to, to add, James? Any more? Uh... Well, I'm chipping away at a video series which I'm trying to pre-record, uh, which is about how to write a sitcom. So that will be like an online sitcom writing course, which, which will, will be first... awesome. Which will be awesome. Thank you very much. <laughs> yes. And will be made available firstly to um, to Governor Patreon subscribers. So if you join us on Patreon, you'll get first access to that this year, and then it will probably be a standalone course uh, thereafter. So um, so that's the plan. I, I've recorded five of the videos. I think they'll probably end up being 15, 16 of them. And it's just taking you through the process of writing a sitcom. And also the, it's called Writing Your Sitcom, and it's how also important it is that it is that this is your script and it shows what you can do and what, what your voice is and all that kind of stuff. So it's a bit of a new spin um, and a follow-on really from my book writing that sitcom, uh, which is sort of talking you through the process. So, right. so yeah, uh, hopefully that will be, that'll be out soon. We will keep you informed. Excellent. Any other, any other parish news, Dave? <laughs> Just a, uh, I've got a couple of uh, classes. I've been doing these uh, write your sitcom in eight weeks uh, correspondence courses and that's been a re- real uh, interesting adventure actually. I'm going to write down my thoughts about it in the next couple of days. Uh, but that's that uh, and I'm doing a topical one. I've just got a couple of places left on both of those. Um, so go to the website davecohen.org.uk to find out more about them. All those links, if you just go to your website, davecohen.org.uk. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. We don't have a Sitcom Geeks website, really, do we? We've got sitcomgeek.blogspot.co.uk, which is my, blogspot.com, which is my blog. But I I don't really blog much anymore because I've got a podcast. Yeah. Uh, so uh, with this, you know. Well, I've uh, got the website with the podcast yeah. link, and we've got the Patreon page where a lot yes. of our stuff goes as well. Yes. And we have so go to that, yeah. 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 So go to sick if you just Google Sitcom Geeks Patreon, you'll find lots of uh, links there as well. So go to that. And also follow us on Facebook. Um there is a Facebook page uh, that you can follow too. But we should now hand over to uh, that's enough teasing. <laughs> Anil Gupta has got some stories and he's going to tell us the incredible story of how the office uh, got made. So um enjoy that and uh and when that runs out, the end theme tune will start. And that will be the end of the show. Thanks for listening. Thanks a lot. So the story of, yeah, the story of The Office. Well, the apocryphal. The, this is my version. You know, okay. Other versions are available. <laughs> uh, <laughs> mine obviously is true. It's actually um, uh, Yeah, they made, uh, Steve had done a little sort of six month thing training scheme thing at the BBC and part of the sort of graduation they had to make a little were given a camera and said go away and make a yeah. 15 minute movie or well, you know something and so he, he'd known Ricky from radio stuff XFM or something and uh, he said why don't we do your character CD Boss character and we'll do it so they, anyway they made this thing 
which was doing the rounds or at least was in the ether. And um, Ash Atala had seen it because he'd worked with Steve on one of those, can't remember, one of those sort of yeah. Boosie Choice type sketch show things. Yeah. I can't remember the name of, Bruiser or something like that. Anyway, um, he came and I'd been working and helping him out on a radio thing that he'd been doing. And he said, oh, look, what about, what do you think of this? And I said, this is brilliant. Mm. This is brilliant. That he's brilliant, Ricky. What is it? And he said, it's this thing. And he's, but Ash had said, I've shown it to John Plowman and he's not very interested. And I said, all right. He said, can you get involved? So I said, yeah. So I met with Ricky and Steve and they rather sweetly were quite impressed that I was involved because I'd done goodness gracious me, which they liked. Um, and I said, yeah, yeah, I'll go and see. So I went to Sir John and said, look, this is great. We should do it. And he said, mm, okay. So we, he said, right, well, what do you, I said, I'll cut it. I'll, we'll edit the thing down to like a three minute taster. And then we'll take it up to the BBC Two offers. And he said, fine. I said, can I, can we come up? <laughs> Rather than sending it with, no offence, John, but can we come up and do it? And he said, yeah, yeah, sure. You just come up, we'll do you first. You do your thing and then we'll go, then we'll get on with the rest of it. I said, great. So we made this tape and the offers were happening. And I said, well, we'll it was on a VHS, is how long ago it was. Do a VHS. Will there be a VHS player? Yeah, yeah, of course, of course, of course there will be. So we go up into the BBC, one of the BBC boardrooms, and there's a big long table. And uh, we got up there first to make sure everything was all right. And there was a TV and there was no VHS player. And the BBC two people started arriving. So I had to run downstairs, rip the VCR player out of my office, run upstairs, put it in. Anyway, they're all sitting down. There's a big line of them opposite us. Jane Root, who was then the controller of BBC two, and about eight minions on either side of her and then I, we stuck the tape on we said his thing it's cool it's going to be called The Office or something like that I think it was called The Office Stephen then can't remember anyway we put the tape on and said there you go and they watched the tape and, <laughs> and then the tape finished there was silence and was silence and literally she turned to Liam Keelan who was her scheduler at the time I think now runs Discovery or something like that and said um, is that funny and he said think so he genuinely had looked like he enjoyed it and um she said all right and so they said all right we'll have a pilot so we said great we went away so then ricky and steve then me and we sat in john plowman's office and ricky and steve said we said we'll make a pilot there's no the budget's tiny but that's all right because no famous people are going to be in it yeah and um and it's just going to be an office and so it was fine and then they said we want to and uh, they said, John said, well, will you produce it? And I said, yeah, they're happy for me to produce it. And then they said, we we want to direct it. And he said, no, <laughs> not having you direct it, you've never directed anything. And uh, they got very cross and stampy and said, well, it's a deal breaker. And we had, because they'd had a bad experience on at Channel 4, where they, right. I think they did a pilot called Golden Years for a thing that, another thing that, and okay. Cool, let's get hold of that. Yeah, and where's Ricky? He plays a character obsessed by David Bowie, funnily enough, and dresses up like a lad insane. And okay, um, anyway, they got they'd taken that to Channel Four and been put it, been given it to a, a production company and who they didn't get on with. And at some point, I believe Stephen got banned from the set. Wow, because yeah, they said you just have to go now. And that anyway, so they were very touchy about this yeah. and 
it was all going quite badly. And then I said, well, I'll tell you what, why don't I direct it, the pilot? Yeah. Because I have no great pretensions to be a director and I will happily have all your input. Yeah. But that means the BBC will be relaxed about me not messing it up so that it's unusable. Yeah. And then should we get a series, we can sort of reverse roles and you can direct and I'll just be there. Yeah. And they said everyone seemed happy with that. So that's what we did. Right. Um, uh, and then, yeah, the rest. Yeah, I buy that story. Mm. That sounds that's about right to me. Very I love the fact there wasn't a video player in the room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just the, but they continue these little, continually these little things. Oh, they didn't have the battery. Oh, it wasn't plugged in. Yeah. Oh, it wasn't this. And just like these sort of moments. It's almost like a Thomas Hardy novel, isn't it? Where suddenly... <laughs> You know, they flip a coin and, oh, I'm going to send this guy yeah. a Valentine's card. Well, that's it. This is, yeah, that's yeah, his yeah. life over. It is sliding doors. But <laughs> it, it, yes, I mean, that's the thing is, is how often in these august uh, institutions, it's just, it's all, you know, I don't, but that's why I don't really believe conspiracy theories because nothing's ever that organised. Right. It's yeah. all just chaos. It's all accidental. Yeah. Everything's just, yeah. oh, you know, by hook, by, by accident, by, because of, Nobody, somebody looked over the wrong way and you got it. You know, most, well, most of the shows I got on by yeah. most of my shows that I've got on, I've got on not because of the system. You get round the system. I've noticed that particularly is that you, you are particularly good at circumventing the system. And I think in a way, there's a lot to be said for cheating. Um, yeah. and, but it is always hard to know, isn't it? And I think that's the thing I'm taking from that, uh, that, that Ricky and Steve were thinking, no, we're going to direct it. And they, back themselves on that but there'll be other th- so it's a question of like at what point do you back yourself and just say look no if anyone's gonna if anyone's gonna fail to direct this properly it's gonna be me all right mm. you know i'm gonna do it because i think i can do it but also to know no no you should totally do that i don't i don't or for someone just to say look i think you need to mm. it's hard to know isn't it how do you how do you make those decisions where you have to trust other people to get on with it i, I don't know really what well do again know? i think you you know, I, Ricky was prepared to do that because he genuinely, I think, I believe he genuinely, and he said this before, he genuinely didn't care right. if he was successful or not. Okay. He was like, I want to do it my way. And if you explain. won't let me do it my way, yeah. that's fine. That I'll go explain back to his do- most recent Golden Globes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I think, you know, yeah. that's, he does kind of play that shtick. But I yeah. think he yeah. genuinely, you know, he was, he had a job as an ENTS manager at, at Yulu, yeah. which he'd been doing sort of, I think, on and off since he graduated and he'd done a bit of radio and he'd done some stuff but he was qu- he was quite happy mm. you know he had a he and Jane lived in this flat in Bloomsbury it wasn't a very nice flat you know yeah. I went round there but it was central but it was alright yeah. and that's what he was quite happy with his life you know he wasn't he wasn't just, and he was he was okay he was making a living yeah most of these things you know it's, are you prepared to walk away you know it's, yeah. it's what are the Americans there's a term in America isn't there, where they say you what you have to do is get to the stage where you've got fuck off money, right? Which is where you're sufficiently well off that when people say you have to do this, you can say fuck off, I'm not doing it. Yeah, mm. yeah, and, uh, because you don't need the money. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I haven't quite got there yet. Yeah, no. And, and as you were saying to me, when we, you know, you get to the point where you're in negotiation or something, and and. I'm going, just give in, just give in, just give in. <laughs> and you go, well, you can't give in because if, if you give in, then they know you can, you give in. And the next time, yeah, they know that you give in. Yeah. And you just have to, as, if they know, <laughs> this is a truism, yeah. isn't it? But if they know that you're prepared to give in, 
Yeah. Then that's it. You're the, you're that's the base rule established, and then you can have these negotiations. So you're and you yeah. can, you're a good cop. Uh, no, he no, he's got too many children. Okay. So that's my that's the thing. Rich Ricky, no kids. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's, I've got two. Yeah. He's got four. Yeah. Uh, he's going. Just just say yes. Just say yes. <laughs> we right, need we to need get that. paid. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm going. I need to get paid, but not as badly as you do. And Ricky's going. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So stuff it, keep it. Yeah. I don't need mm. it. No, that's a yeah. That, yeah. It's, it's, it's quite. It's, it's the no, the numbers are they're fairly logical in that, really, aren't they? Mm. Uh, yeah. yeah. How do you? I'd be interested to know a bit about your writing relationship, since that's what this show is. You know, about writing sitcoms in particular. How does it work between the two of you in terms of who gets things started? Who you know? What 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 are your strengths and weaknesses, as it were? Ooh, um, how, how do you complete each other? <laughs> you complete that kind of show. Um, <laughs> yeah. We we will. Is this right? We start off. We'll talk about something, um, and then we'll then we talk about something else. <laughs> talk about something else, <laughs> and then we'll talk about the cricket. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually, you have to keep coming back to the work, and you'll get to a point where you've talked about it so much that you have to write something down, right? And then. One of us will say, "Well, I'll go away and I'll do a page that will be mm. a version of what we've been talking about for the last couple of days." Usually, Richard, right? But, so, but you, you just you did the last one, didn't That's you? That's true. So, whoever is feeling magnanimous, will, okay, will go, or yeah. or it's at least I can't be tomorrow because I've got to do a thing. All right, well, I'll be me then. But just go, you go out, you write it, write it up, and um, and then you've got something you look at, and you can both then sit there and go, "Well, obviously not that bit." And the other person goes, yeah, yeah, not that bit. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. I think, but this bit, what I meant when I said that was this. And you go, oh, yeah, yeah, that bit. And then the next document is five pages and then you can go and pitch it up. But that's generally how it works. And then when we've got to the stage where we're writing a script, we will talk about it to to plan it. Yeah. Um, and then again, one of us eventually will have to go away and write a bullet point yeah. uh, outline which is obviously a massive pain in the ass. But then once you've done that, we will just div it up and you go, who, whose turn is it to do the first part? Right. Because obviously that's oh, no the first part's the worst part. Yeah, it is. It's, yeah. it's the hardest, hardest yeah. thing. And is the bit that's going to change all the time and along with the last and line, And end up getting cut. Yeah. End up getting mm. cut. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, and it's then the starter motor, isn't it? You just yeah, yeah. how do we get the show on the road? And yeah. then yeah. It's like, it doesn't matter. But I think I think what... Richard is very good at just getting, just put it, just write something. And right. I'm the one who's going, oh, but it has to be right, it has to be right. So I take forever and he's very quick. And it's, you know, the, so Richard, if Richard does the first bit, he does it very quickly and we change it all. Yeah. And it's, you know, concise and we get on with it. And if I do the first bit, it goes on forever and it takes ages and then it all gets cut. Right. <laughs> okay. Why? Why? And he goes, it's, what have you done? The first scene, it's 30 pages. Like, yeah, I wanted to get everything in. Yes. I was going to say, because I, w- I would assume that with your sort of producing experience, you know, you, you might, it's, uh, I'm, I'm curious of a producer who writes that, you know, is, uh, is there a sort of, you know, those hours and hours of budgets that you've sat and looked mm. at? Are you, when you're looking at a script, are you, are you, saying mm, no that's too too many extra people in that Although, scene or you know well the first thing a good producer will say to a writer is don't worry about the budget mm. yeah right. Write, write what you 
Yeah. But yes, no, right, I'm, right, well, I am aware of it. Yeah. Yes, I, I do <laughs> sit there thinking, oh, well, that's never, not, there's no point doing that because that's never going to happen. And yeah. you can't, yeah. that's unachievable. And yeah. yes. But you've got to, I mean, we always tell people on this podcast to just don't worry about the budget because also you don't know what's expensive and what's cheap. No. Um, so, you know, I remember like you might think a dog is just a dog. No. Um, it's not, but actually, mm. weirdly, a lizard might be really cheap. Yeah. Um, so just if you want a lizard, put a lizard. You won't get just because mm. it might be much easier than you realise. Yeah. Yeah. Might be harder to get it to fetch a yeah. stick. Though, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was yeah. a there was a shot we did in Bluestone <laughs> training where the is a whole other thing. some someone had some antlers soaked in petrol that caught on fire, mm. and that eventually was all done in post, and it cost cost thousands of yes. pounds. Yeah. Um, and uh, that hadn't occurred to us as being a expensive thing. And sometimes it's like, oh, can we have an explosion there? And it's like, well, yeah, that's all right. That's, mm. that's easy. Also, it's South Africa and there isn't really any health yes. and safety, so you're probably fine. <laughs> um, but, uh, yes. but yeah. Don't... People, yes. The one thing I would say for prospective writers is um, large numbers of people yeah. are very expensive. Yeah. Even extras are very expensive. Yeah, if, yeah. You want to, if you want to see, you know, they walk into a crowd of 500 people, don't write that. Yeah. Because but having said that, I just, you, but you don't want to lack, you don't want to curb your ambition. Because in one sense, if I may say, and I'm not holding you responsible, the office cast a very, very, very long shadow over an awful lot of spec scripts where basically nothing happens. Mm. And so we've read quite a lot of spec scripts recently for a competition we've had. And it just feels, lots of them just at the very start feel static. And they also feel like a place that you don't actually want to spend any length of time. Mm. Um, but that's again, I think like, uh, you know, like the, the Seinfeld was the, yeah. the classic, oh, it's a show about nothing, nothing mm. happens. And it's absolute rubbish, yeah. right? Mm. Obviously, lots of things happen and it's packed with plot. Mm. And similarly with The Office, I think there are a couple of sort of miss representations of the show which is oh it's a show where nothing happens and it's about the mundanity of office yeah. the boringness of office life and also it's a show it's a cruel show about comedy of cruelty right those are the two things that people say about it mm. you made cruel things cool to be you know or everything else and I always thought well no the, one of the things that Rick and Steve said oh we want to we want to show how boring office life is and I said yeah, but that's boring yeah and there was a bit of to and fro between us and I think I in the end sort of argued them down to the shot of the photocopier going which we as a sort of used to cut to occasionally which would just visually and in about five seconds say boring isn't it yeah yeah right and then you can get on with the story there's loads of story happening there's loads of interesting and there'd be an odd pause before a scene you would get a bit of a longer establisher than you might otherwise get yeah, but that, but, and you didn't, you know, we didn't have jaunty music on it. Yeah. So it felt, but that was a trick, right? It, yeah. It wasn't a boring show. It wasn't about boring things, mm-hmm. although it was set in a boring place. Yeah. So, and also it wasn't, I think the reason the show worked at all or had any kind of, you know, became much bigger success than we, and any of us any, ever imagined was because actually it had loads of heart. It wasn't cruel at all. Yeah. It was full of heart, you know, and, yeah. The Tall Dawn and Tim stuff, but even David, as a or as a monster, he was a sitcom monster, but he was a human being. He just wanted to be. He wanted to be loved. He wanted him to be loved, didn't he? He he wasn't a cruel man. No. uh, So I don't. Yeah, I think that was. Yeah, but in terms of, uh, it just feels like people sort of settle too early for a very easy shoot thing, 
and you think actually you can set you can set your show anywhere you can go anywhere you can do anything especially in the days of netflix and prime which is making even high budget bbc stuff look a little bit cheap mm. um there was a thing last year or the year before with toby stevens in it on bbc2 and i remember just thinking you have precisely the number of extras that i can now see on the screen and no more yes but then you're watching mrs Maisel on amazon prime just thinking how much show, how much does this cost? how mm. how many soldiers are in that aircraft hangar yeah, yeah. there must be 600 yeah. um yes. but but the other thing i was going to ask about is we, off, we the other thing that we found a bit and again this is understandable because people are just sort of finding their way is that a lot of the scripts we read feel like they're not quite the show isn't actually about anything mm. this is a funny situation or a boring situation there are some funny characters or some annoyingly boring characters or whatever, but they're kind of playing around with these sorts of things. And I don't think people really appreciate how long it takes to actually come up with an idea that you could actually bear to spend the next five to 10 years writing. Mm. So how long, do, you know, how many, how long do you percolate these things for? Where, where do you tend to start on these ideas and how long, you know, you probably you've, you've had a meeting early today for lunch to talk about a show mm. that presu- that might have been rattling around your brains for how long? <laughs> well, ten minutes before ironically, yeah, that particular no. one not very long because but that was we sat down and said we've got this very half baked idea that we barely thought about. Yeah, um, it's one of those things. Weirdly, I don't think I don't think there is a you know there isn't a prescription obviously. Mm. Even the, even this half-baked idea, what we bring to it is 25 years of thinking about this stuff and yeah. doing it yeah. that goes, if this, if you, let's write a show about a banana and an apple, mm. okay, we would instantly start going, right, so where's the conflict? Where's the, what does the banana want? Does the banana yeah. want to be an orange? You know, mm. da, 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 da. let's yeah. feed all these things in and then we could work up a plausible sounding pitch document that says this is how the banana and orange show, uh, banana yeah. and apple show goes, because you know kind yeah. of what works and what doesn't work. And what you, you know need. what the exec so you're getting. Could the apple be an orange? <laughs> yeah, could the apple be an orange? I, I mean, I love the idea, but also you've now got the experience to know. Actually, that's a good point. It doesn't have to be an orange, so mm. it doesn't matter. But also, yeah. you got the experience there, but also the experience and the clout, admitted without the FU mm. managers to go. I think it has to be a banana. It's got to be a banana, yeah. Um, yeah. And then you can go, and that's because of this. My, my writing partner, Richard, is a very good is very good at defending an idea to the death mm. and just saying, no, no, it has to be this because of this, this. And he can see, because your idea will mean that once you've done this, you've got nowhere to go. Mm. And he's quite good at just saying, at pointing that out graciously, just to say, I think if we want something that runs like this, it'd be like, all oh, right, okay. Sure, I think it's just occurred to me... Um, for the first time but I think this is true it really helps to if the first person you take the idea to is someone that you respect and knows what they're talking about mm. do you know because is this right we we can we tend to want to take things quite early mm. to pitch them because you sort of know after a week of if you thought about something for 10 minutes, you go, oh, that might be something. And if you talk about it the next day for an hour, and then you talk about it a few days later for an hour, you pretty much then, you know, yeah. you know, if there's, the, yeah. you think we're not going to get any further with this. Yeah. We're going to pitch this now. Right. Because we're not going to get to the point now where we hate it. 
but so then you want to get it in front of someone quickly who will go either yes or have you thought about this and then sometimes sometimes you you think yeah maybe not that at, mm. at that stage but it's very yeah. you, you don't want to spend more than a few hours I don't mm. think anyway think, no. thinking about a concept yeah. because you want to have the excitement yeah. of this is great because yeah. that's yeah, a great yeah. buzz and a great energy to take in somewhere but it's good yeah. if you can but also and also the truth is oh, here we go the truth no but but no you know in in that kind of um William Goldman, yeah. you know, nobody knows anything is true. Yeah. We don't know. Mm. Right? We've been doing it for a long time. Yeah. We don't know. Mm. We've got some idea. Yeah. And we've got some, you know, we're a bit further along the way and we've got some things that have worked in the past. But there's no reason mm. why those but, things will work tomorrow. No, we don't know if it's going to work, but you know, you know if it's going to be a watertight yeah, yeah. concept and you go this could be a show I don't know whether it'd be yes, a good but show. I'm saying I suppose what I'm saying is there's no like, I'm agreeing with you there's no point to an extent doing loads of development or writing loads of scripts yeah, or, yeah. Right, because every show yeah. you go okay it's this and then you cast it and it becomes something else and then you make the first episode and it becomes something else and then you make the first series and then it evolves and it evolves and evolves and sitcoms you know yeah. the classic thing with sitcoms is when you know People say, you know, it takes two, three series to become the show that it yeah. was ever going to be. Yeah, yeah. Because you, because it's a process that you find out along the way. Yeah. So you, nothing comes fully formed at the beginning. No, very little anyway. Yeah. Just, um, the office, to some extent, did. But then again, you stop. If you stop making it after two and a half series, and if it had run in the UK for ten series, the series ten would have been just like. It might have been huge, but people were going, yeah, do you remember? Right at the start, it was a very like, mundane office kind of situation. Yes. And then it became this and this. Well, the Americans did it, like you say, but also, you know, with the cast, when, as we were making it, I mean, the scripts were great. Mm. From, uh, I mean, they, they did sort of first drafts, and we were like, mm, maybe, and then they went away, and the second drafts were like, oh, what? Well, he's amazing. Yeah. What do you write this first yeah. time? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but then the cast, when we were making it, you was you could see like Martin. Wow, he's brilliant. Yeah, doing this stuff. Let's get him to do more of this. And who wasn't really known of that? Well, none of them were. No. Yeah, so you know, it was it was um, as we were making it, thinking yeah. let's do more with them. And you know, yeah. just we we spoke to John O'Farrell last week, who and and part of the, the Chortle Book Festival. And he mm. was talking about his first book, "Things Can Only Get Better." Yeah. And he was saying how uh, that what he's realized now that one of the reasons it was a big success was that it it was successful on its own terms but then it also had an extra thing it sort of it caught a wave and yes. I'm just I'm just sort of thinking about all the shows that you've done and each each of the the film uh, the shows like goodness gracious me the office the kumar's mm. uh citizen car and and your sitcom boomers um richard they all they all actually were kind of on the crest of the wave and uh, they're, they're all just just sort of far enough ahead of their time to kind of be the thing that then kind of defined ways in which shows mm. went as a result of that and as I, and I was thinking about that with, with with boomers that you know obviously now everybody says boomer but I guess five or six years ago when you were pitching that uh, sitcom that it was quite it was you were 
you you were st- you're, you're, you seem to have this ability to kind of be a little bit ahead of. Uh, oh, ahead it, of the it moves. Yeah. No, it, it yeah, it's that's an interesting um, the thing. I, I think most writers, is this right? We all. Uh, know that all these ideas that we're you know whenever whenever you hear something if you was to say to me uh, tell me what you're working on now and you will say something two or three things and I'll probably go yeah I thought something like that once right do you know but you said said, because we know we have a sense of where the funny is and and if you ask me that literally now I would say I'm writing a novel uh, which I hopefully will be a screenplay of or a or a comedy drama series. It's basically the Da Vinci Code, mm. right? And you just go, oh, okay, it's that kind of thing. And, I'm, and obviously, it isn't the Da Vinci Code, but it's the closest thing because we know that there are categories of stuff out there, these sorts of things. Is that kind of what? Well, you're no, I, I, yeah, yeah. And I, but I think also, you know, um, there's uh, writers all the time are coming up with ideas, and they're all centred around funny concepts and all the stuff we've done and you know you were talking about boomers specifically and yes that age thing older people uh, are now living longer and so they have longer to <laughs> do stuff and be funnier in And but I think what happens is producers and TV executives are sensitive to the zeitgeisty stuff, I think, yeah. possibly. And so they're the ones that will pick up your idea at a particular time. So I'm never really conscious, I don't think, that I'm thinking about a zeitgeisty thing. If we, I think of something or you think of something, we'll go, oh, yeah, no, that is a bit zeitgeisty. Maybe that's something yeah. to pitch. But I have a sense that there's this, yeah, the... You know the, the 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 circle of producers, execs, the people that choose. Mm. They'll be talking about buzz, yeah, topics, and when you take something to them that you think is a funny idea, yeah, actually the reason it gets picked is they've probably considered about ten very similar things right. to your idea yeah. and they just happen to they put, you know, you'll be on the shortlist yeah. and they just pick your thing and from your point of view the journey goes I had this brilliant idea and uh, it, you know, yeah. they loved it and it turns out that it's you know it's, it's quite a zeitgeisty yeah. thing and I thought that but they determine yeah. <laughs> it's all yeah. predetermined which is why it's not that it's all predetermined that you do switch on the TV and you just go oh we we had, we had one of those. Yeah. yeah. And you're not, they didn't nick it. It's just no, like, no, well, of course. Just, yeah, yeah. Of course I think, yeah. I, think yeah, I, I, I sort of think that what we look for, why we think an idea is good is because there's a certain universal truth in it. Right? Yeah. That's what we're always looking for yeah. is, what's, is this, is this got a universe, is this a true thing yeah. about people? And, you know, basically it's, we mostly write about people. So, yeah. <laughs> is there, so we don't, consciously go out looking for something that's zeitgeisty because mm. I don't really know what that means and actually I think if you do particularly at our age you're probably too late yeah. right so uh, any show I think any shows that we do that happen to hit a zeitgeisty moment that was luck right and the tr- the thing about being in the, in the zeitgeisty moment is you have to be just ahead like you said just ahead of the curve yeah if you're too far ahead of the curve you might as well be hundred miles away, right? You might yeah. because too far ahead of the curve. No, you know. Oh, I did that show five years ago. It failed. 
because it was yeah. people weren't ready for it. So you've got, and that's nobody can predict that. You know, yeah. it's like it's like what you know, traders don't try and call the top of the market. You'll yeah. never do it, right? So, so I think we just kind of do things shows that we think are interesting. And maybe the, one of the reasons we think they're interesting is it happens to be a thing that people yeah. are thinking about. The, the planets align. Yeah, and you, yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's, it might be a slightly inane thing to say, but it comes down to luck then. It's yeah. you just, if you happen to be the right idea at the right time, yeah, yeah. the right place, mm-hmm. and the right person, and the right cast, and the right, all those things happen to get lucky. Yeah. And even The Office, for example, you know, Ricky, for a while, possibly you could argue even still, it's one of those people who just seems to have been touched mm. with the, you know, you. So with we did the office. One of the reasons why the office became such a huge show and not just another mm. quite successful, well-regarded show on BBC Two that came and went, yeah, was because after the first season and then they repeated it and it got some more accolades. But then that, I think it was that year, um, that Christmas was the Christmas that everybody got a DVD player. Right. DVD players had previously been yeah. £500 plus yeah. pieces of kit and they suddenly became £100 pieces of kit and everybody bought somebody in their family a DVD yeah. player <laughs> and nobody had any DVDs. Yeah. And so the BBC released The Office on DVD yeah. and it sold like gangbusters. Right. Because yeah. everybody, because mostly the DVD players were bought for men, Yeah. right, because they like kit. And may they also like, so they're men, men, you know, men, youngish, yeah. slash middle aged men. So they like kit and they like comedy. So they got a DVD player and the office on DVD. Yeah. And that cemented the office's yeah. place. And it just went and there was excitement there. for series two, wasn't there? It, was, it became an event. It became a huge thing. And that's because we happened to hit that. Nobody, before that was VHS, and VHS is used to sell. Like in comedy terms, you would say, oh, well, if you've done really well, like I think Ali G sold like half a million yeah, VHSs yeah. and that was unheard of. And even things like AbFab would sell 100 to 200,000. And we sold a million plus DVDs of The Office, right? So it was a, it was a yeah. step change. And and they did that. And then and then also wow. they did, The Guardian asked Ricky and Steve to do a podcast when nobody knew what a podcast was. Yeah. And they went along with, and they brought Carl in, yeah. their mate, and they did this thing for free for The Guardian, which people, and millions of people downloaded it. Yeah, yeah. Right? And then they started saying, why don't we just charge for this? Because yeah. we could make loads of money, she proceeded to do. So he's, and then he went to America, you know, so he's he's got that thing of just, yeah, yeah. he's not got a plan. Yeah, yeah. You just, you just, he's a lucky guy. Yeah. yeah, he's very talented, but yeah. he's also very. Lucky. But yeah, you need the yeah, and so yeah, things need to align, don't they? In that mm, yeah. in that way, I think I remember we were working on uh, my family at that time. Yeah, and, uh, that's right. And uh, I remember the the writers looking a lot on very jealously at these uh, DVDs of The Office. Well, oh, we get more viewers than they do. Yeah. <laughs> do you think they'll bring out DVD of my family? Oh, I'm yeah. thinking, hmm. <laughs> well, they did. I don't think yeah. this is going to be a. <laughs> they didn't. They they did fine. They I, did I have a DVD of the episode of my family that I wrote. Yeah. On that half of that series, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. we did eventually, yes, yeah. but um, but it didn't quite have the same, like yeah. you say. I mean, yeah. the, I, I do, I remember it was almost like you know, buy your DVD yeah. player and the and office comes yeah, with it, exactly. You know, yes, yeah. yeah. we should probably wrap things up, shouldn't we? Because yeah, you've yeah. been more than generous with your time, un- unwittingly, yeah. uh, we just kept you talking. Uh, what just to finish up, what. what advice would you either give someone sweating away over a script or possibly even? What would you have advice would you have given yourself 
when you were sweating over a script 20 years ago, when you were writing that script that turned out to be pretty good in the end, so maybe it's not a very good example, when you were wandering around playing pool or anything. Oh. Is there anything that you would say? I mean, do you also, do you read other scripts? You probably, it's not really your problem very much, but... Um... Uh, I do read other scripts. I mean, it, I think what I've become more convinced of I used to be very much about the script and get the script right and it's all got to be about the script but then you know over the years I've seen very very good scripts not get made yeah very good scripts get made and be shit yeah uh, not very good scripts get made and be good yeah, you know, yeah. and everything in between yeah. so I saw again I means sort of come to conclusion I don't really know yeah I can read you know I've had I've had more than one occasion where I've been approached, would you like to produce this show? And they show me the script, you know, we, as if it's like in a development process. And I see a script and I say, well, uh, you know, maybe there's something in this, but the script needs a lot of work. And they say, oh, no, it's already commissioned. We're making 13 of them, you know. And I think, oh, right. Okay. okay. Maybe that's, that's a pass. Yeah. So maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. But, but so... Don't get too hung up on on making the perfect script because there's no such thing. Mm. Um, don't waste too much time on the first draft. Don't waste yeah. too much time on the first draft. Say a bit more Probably. about it. Because of that reason, because the, whatever you think of your first draft, yeah, it's probably very little of it is going to remain. Yeah, <laughs> if if it if it gets commissioned or it gets to the next stage. Yeah. So what what you want in that first draft is just some funny jokes and a, just a sense of energy and yeah and like you said earlier you know you when you write a script you, you want to spend time in that world yeah and crafting it and tailoring jokes and you know getting it exactly right is probably not going to alter that sense of ah hmm. oh, this I want to be in this world this is yeah. a place I want to spend time it's imperfect and this bit doesn't work and that bit doesn't work but whatever I get a sense of the characters, I get a sense of what they're about and, you yeah. know, I get a feel for it from this and, yeah, don't keep rewriting it, I guess. I think, yeah, and I think, I think um, who your characters are, you know, it's quite helpful to think of performers who you like yeah, and say, right, I'll think, I'll write this as if it's that performer performance okay, because yeah. it gives them a voice and then when somebody reads it, you go, I was still thinking of them for mm. this and they, it helps them to visualise it. So that's quite useful because otherwise people tend to write about themselves a lot. You know, the yeah. classic first script is, oh, right, about somebody who's trying to write a script, you know, or yeah. doing what I'm doing. Yeah. yeah. I think pick a world, pick an interesting world or a, a world that yeah. you maybe that you might know something about that isn't. Yeah. If, you, if you're into hang gliding or something, write about a hang gliding club, or, you know, yeah. something that's a bit different and a bit out there. And then, yeah, get it, get it written. Yeah. Just get it out. Find out if you can. Because yeah. in comedy you know I think you can do it or you can't okay I always think when I was script editing and producing people say oh can you teach people to be funny and I always think well I can teach them to be funnier yeah but if they ain't funny to start with yeah we've got our work cut out so you know you, and it sort of jumps out. You know, you've read enough scripts. Yeah. You see the ones you go, oh, this person can do it. Yeah. You know, they need a lot of work and help, but... It, yeah. It's funny, isn't it? You, you can read a script which sort of technically seems fairly competent, 
but you think, oh, I just don't think there's anything here. Mm. And there's another script which is just like absolutely all yeah. over the place where you just think, exactly. yeah, but I read the whole page, exactly. I read it to the end. Yeah. What, 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 what the yeah. hell is going on? Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that's, again, writing a first script is very often, mm-hmm. as we've just demonstrated yeah. somewhere along the way, just a way of getting started. Yeah. Probably yeah. isn't going to get made. Doesn't matter because yeah. maybe it will show you, give you a, you know, there's, who's, there's that great, um, Talking about don't sweat it on the first was it Richard Curtis story that uh, he told me once where and I'm sure he's told it many times before but he had a movie script that was before the tall guy so he's like oh, he's, yeah. he's written a movie he'd done the Black Adder and he'd written his first movie script and he got a meeting with some big American studio and he thought oh my gosh this is fantastic I'm going to get to make this movie because they he word came back they love your script and they want to have a meeting yeah so he goes to the meeting and they all sit there and they say, great to meet you and they start talking they say we love your script Richard we love it we love it just a couple of tiny little things and he's like of course gets his pad and pen out and starts you know so they start with their notes mm. and they carry on with the notes and they carry on the notes carry on more and more and this character and this just yeah. avalanche of notes comes at him and he gets there and he's slightly shell-shocked and they say what do you think and he said well you know forgive me but it seems to me that you know the, the uh, you don't like you don't like the only thing you like about this script is the title and they said about the title <laughs> you know so that i think is yeah. can happen and yeah. but it means They've had them, you know. Now they're not. Met. They're not lying. They did like the script, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, That's yeah, the yeah. thing. And so yeah. you, so on one level, that functions very well as a joke, as a story. Yeah. And you, but you think, yeah, but they met him. They met. They brought him in. And there was a hundred that they didn't it. like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. They don't. There's, there's, there's thousands and thousands yeah. of people they haven't had meetings with. They've got him in and gone with this, something about this script we like, and yeah. he's going like. What? <laughs> yes, right. Yes, That's just, your job as a writer, yes, isn't it? That's what the full you know, stop on page yeah. ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of like. I mean, just just to finish, just mm, going back yeah. to the, the story you said about the controller of BBC Two turning to her uh, mm. scheduler. Yeah. yeah, that was funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was funny. And I and I, and I sort of think, well, great. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, well, I mean, who, like you say, who knows? Mm, you know, sometimes knows? you meet a commissioner who's got a fantastic comedic. You know, they, they, they know what they like, they know what they find funny, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be any more successful, does it, as no. as the one who is just a the, good executive? Yeah. The be- all you can do is, you in that first one, you put down what you think's funny. Because yeah. And yeah. there's a there's a phrase, isn't there? It's like, um, is it dance dance like nobody's watching? Yeah. yeah. I, think, I think you have to write like nobody's going to read it. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's, that's yeah. the essence of your... Comedy, yeah, that's a good. Yeah, that seems like a good bon mot on which to end the episode. Richard Pinto and Anil Gupta, thank you very much. Thank you for Thanks. being on Sitcom Geeks. Oh, Speak to you next you. time. Thank Bye-bye. you very much. Bye.